to you from the great state of Michigan. It's the Bang and Dang Show. They're raw, politically incorrect, and highly offensive. Think you can handle it? Well, then grab yourself a beer, because it's time to party. Ladies and gentlemen, here they are. It's Bang and Dang. Episode 4 of the Bang and Dang Show, up live right now, coming through your ears, coming through the radio waves, coming through your... It wouldn't be the radio waves. Is this considered... Is it, it can't, couldn't be radio waves, right? Is podcast mics considered a radio wave? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, don't, don't have a clue for that? I don't, or? I don't see why not, man. Sure. Wouldn't be a radio wave. Are we on the radio? Yeah. I think it's radio waves either. Or uh, episode four, live at the time it's recorded, not live now. You guys aren't listening live, live. You guys are listening pre-recorded live. Nope, they're listening live. Listening live. You guys. Whenever you listen to this, we have to hurry up and get to the microphone when you push play. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and we're screwed if uh, multiple people. Well, we don't have to have that issue, so. <laughs> right. We can we can manage the one one person a week that listens to this. So thank right. you, uh, uh, fellow sir from Paris. Right. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> yeah, we we <laughs> we we. It's probably an American in Paris. Right? Isn't that a uh, movie? <laughs> I think that's American Werewolf in London. <laughs> right? Paris too, right? American Werewolf in Paris, London. I know it's in London. Yeah. I think it was just Paris. No, it's in London. The first one's in London. I think so. 1981, American Werewolf in London, and 97, American Werewolf in Paris. Nice. Huh. Uh, Do they got one Werewolves of, London. Do they got a London Werewolf in America? <laughs> <laughs> right. Or Paris Werewolf in America? London Werewolf. How has nobody made one of those? Right. And, and since werewolf movies were actually based in fucking London, so you'd think they would have made one. This people, uh, supposedly Google says, people always also asked, why is American Werewolf in London so or good? <laughs> okay. Is American Werewolf in London funny? I've never seen it. I don't even know what it's about. American Werewolf in London? It's not funny, but it's decent. Two American backpackers climb out of a truck full of sheep. <laughs> okay, that's all I need to know. What does it say? Two American backpackers climb out of a truck full of sheep. <laughs> so a bunch of Democrats, then. <laughs> I am assuming a werewolf comes out, attacks the sheep, and the Americans get in the way. Is that what happens? Yeah, but what happens? And, and werewolves of London? Or werewolves of London. Or 92% on... Uh, yeah, but how is it making an American werewolf unless they attacked them and they made them American? Wait, they made them werewolves. American college students are backpacking through Britain when a large wolf attacks them. Davis survives with a bite, but Jack is brutally killed. As David Heald's in a hospital, he's plagued by violent oh, nightmares of yeah. his muta- mutilated friend who warns yeah. David that he's becoming a werewolf. I forgot all about When David discovers the horrible truth he, truth, he contemplates committing suicide before the next full moon causes him to transform from man to murderous beast. Right. What's that one? Is it called Just the Werewolf or something like that? I forget who's in it. The Werewolf? Teen Wolf? No. Is it called Wolfman? Wolfman. Or something like that. It's based in London. It's actually a really good film. Yeah, Benicio del Toro. Benicio del Toro. He's in a new movie now. I think uh, just watched it with uh, Don Cheadle, nineteen twenties Oh, I was gonna watch it. It's called um, Nowhere to Run or something, something like that. Yeah, it's on HBO. I was I was intrigued. Yeah, I was gonna watch it for a moment, but, uh, but I ended up watching. Uh, well, that's for later. Okay, Erica, where was London? Not really sure how we even got on that topic to start the show, but right. episode four live now. I think we're gonna. 
It's a little light news. Kind of only got like wacky, stupid news. Tired yeah. of talking about politics and fucking stupid shit. So, yeah. but we're only recording this on Tuesday. Most likely, you guys will, if something happens between now and Tuesday, uh, we're recording it on Thursday and if drop not. Friday. But if not, then this is what you're stuck with. But we will wait till Thursday to at least record the uh, updated sports stuff because Game Four of NBA Finals is tomorrow. Oh, I didn't even hear all that. Right. <laughs> what? Wait, that we're waiting? Yeah. Oh, why? <laughs> tell them. It's going to sound different. I guess. They'll know. We'll tell them when we fucking do it anyway, so. Live from the BDN Studios, it's Bang and Dang with the news. That's awesome. If you don't like that, then you ain't black. Unopened Super Mario 64 game from 1996 sells for $1.56 million. That's fucking stupid. An unopened copy has Dumb. sold for $1.56 million. Heritage Auctions in Dallas said that the 90, 1996 game sold Sunday, breaking its previous record price That's stupid. for the sale of a That's single video so game. so fucking dumb. If you open this game and you put it in your uh, Super Nintendo, it's going to play the exact same way if you found it at a, a, a garage sale for fucking $1.50. Yeah, but it's unopened. So what? Super Mario 64 was the best-selling game on the Nintendo 64 and the first to feature Mario character in 3D. It was. Uh, the sale follows an unopened copy of Nintendo's The Legend of Zelda, selling at auction Friday for $870,000. Zelda I can get, because Zelda wasn't really... It was big for a minute, and then it kind of died down. So if you had a, if you had a good Zelda game, then people would be like, oh, shit. That shit kind of got tossed Plus aside. Plus, Zelda, I think they have like a gold... Yeah, there's a gold one. Gold one that's pretty high price. But uh, in April, the auction house sold an un- un- cop- unopened copy of Nintendo Super Mario Brothers that was bought in 1986 and forgotten about it in a desk drawer for 666 or 660,000. Forgotten about it in a desk drawer, and that only got 660,000. Legit uh, Mario Bro game. And that was probably the one with the duck hunt, too. No, they didn't put them together until Super Nintendo. Maybe they did put no, them together. Man, had, but they were separate at first. I don't think they were together at first. We, on our regular Nintendo, we had the... Right, they were separate at first. Yeah. We had the two, we had the Duck Hunt and yeah. Super Mario 1. But, I mean, come on. $1.56 million. I mean, are you serious? <sighs> I mean, it was just stupidity. There's no reason for that game to be that high. It's not rare. It's not like it's a rare fucking album that you find in the 70s or something. No. Or it got the misspelling on it or something. But it's unopened. So, so what? Unopened, still in like the store. So what? The store thing that they have so, to take it so out of what? the uh, box. So what? That's good, man. It's not. It's not one point five million worth. No. Oh, get the fuck out of here. I don't know. That's fucking stupid. Retarded. That's crazy because the Zelda game that sold a couple days ago was the record for eight hundred seventy thousand, and then this one fucking shattered it. Retarded. Whoever paid one point, however much million for that is more. Well, let's go on eBay and see. Well, it's probably fucking more. I bet you people on eBay fucking uh, right. all hike their prices up after fucking this. Came it's out. still at least an eighty dollar game when you buy it if you go to a store. Well, I guarantee people on eBay are selling it for more than that, dude. It's like the one, the one copy of Super Mario in that one store on Tibblewaki right. out there. They were selling that bitch for like one hundred and fifty dollars. Super Mario All Stars was still like uh, one hundred twenty nine bucks, but still. $22. I mean, come on. It's going to play the exact same thing as that $1.56 million. Buy one with a case. There you go, right there. 122 bucks with a case. 122 bucks. I mean, come on. Oh, this is the box only. <laughs> Wait, what? 
No game. Hey, yeah, I guess. The box is probably more valuable than the game because I'm no, sure everybody's no, box right. got fucked. And then no. now they're looking for their box now. Okay, so 122 bucks plus 20 bucks for the game. That's 150 bucks. Right. Hmm. Get the fuck out of here. It's 1.5 million. Eight, this is the Japanese version. Only 18.99. Wait a minute. You think that'd be worth more? Wait. Super Mario 64 with manual for only 57 bucks. Box and a manual. They got everything there. All right. Man, this dude... <laughs> Super mm. Mario 64 with his name on it <laughs> and selling it Richie? for 25 bucks. You know how many games I got with people's names on it that mm-hmm. we got off of eBay, dude? Yeah. It's weird. Oh, yeah, you take them to your friend's house or something. Mm, it's my game, bitch. Right. Me, my yeah, I don't What's understand. What? Mario 3, what? Mario Party. Walmart party. Um, yeah, I don't understand. None of these are selling for like... Nothing. So it's 142 bucks and this that's a pristine box. Right. Yeah, get the hell out of here. Yeah, I don't know about that. That's 135. So about 140 bucks you're gonna pay for. 25 thousand sealed. What's the dang on what? The dang. <laughs> What's the uh, rating? The other one was 9.8. Yeah, I think that's the rating of the game from the um. Oh, it's 9.0. Oh, so, so I mean, come on. The, the other one just the other one just captured 1.5 million. I think this guy can get more than 25. I don't know if this guy uh realizes what just happened, but. Yeah, it's only a 9.0. Still, if it's 9.0. Sealed, seal grade A, box grade. Nine. Nine. So the box maybe have like a bent corner, like a little bit of a bent corner. Oh, get the hell out of here. That's the same exact game a dude paid his oh, 1.5 million box for. Box matters, man. Oh, my goodness. Clearly, the box matters. <laughs> yes. Just like a baseball card. You could, you could have the Hannes Wagner one, but if the corner's totally different. a little bit ripped off, you just lost a million dollars pretty much. That's totally different. How's, Hannes, different? No, how's a baseball How many Hannes Wagner cars are there? How many Super Mario 64 in the case millions, like this are there? Millions. <laughs> but this, this is probably opened. No, it said the package was still on it. The seal wrap was excellent. Mm-hmm. That's what it said. It said seal wrap good or whatever. What's his description? Sealed. Okay, yeah, so his is sealed. Never been opened. The seal grade is an A. So, okay. Okay, well, then good for him. So now he's about to make about $800,000 off his fucking video game. You think he would, right? I mean, that's just ridiculous. Made in Japan. Yeah, dude, people grand. are asking some big fucking Okay, what's 35 grand? What's his? It's 9.0. So 9.0. he wants more. It's a potential 9.0. It's he didn't. So it's 8.0. <laughs> 8.5 for seven grand. Fifty six hundred for a Paper Mario. Fifteen thousand for a 9.0. Yeah, see, sealed. This one's sealed, but not in a thing. Twenty two hundred oh, bucks. It didn't get. These are actually sent in and they yeah, those are back. graded. This is eight point six. Eight point five for five grand. And come on. Do these guys know? These That's guys, Mario Kart, though. Oh, but I'm saying, but do, do, do these guys know what Super Mario 64 just went for? All I guarantee you, in a couple of days, these prices are going to be a lot more. Oversized goldfish are taking over one Minnesota lake, causing issues for local feds. I mean, fish. <laughs> um, authorities in Burnsville, Minnesota, have urged residents and owners of pet goldfish not to dispose of the family pet in lakes and ponds. Wouldn't dumping them down the uh, toilet be the same? They're just going into the water supply, right? Yeah, I think that toxic... In the toilet. Take yeah, right. Goldfish are fucking like... Goldfish are like carp. They survive yeah. in fucking anything. Actually, they'll just go right through the... The solid part goes so different. Yeah, they'll just go right to the uh, dump. You're good. 
They grow bigger than you think and contribute to poor water quality by mucking up the bottom sediments and uprooting plants. Mm-hmm. Groups of these large goldfish were recently found in Keller Lake. Dude, that is a huge-ass goldfish. People don't realize that little fucking thing that you get in your bowl that will literally, it only stays that size because that's the environment yeah. that you have it in. Right, and these are small. There's been goldfish that have been caught that have been the size of carp. Well, this isn't even the first time that Minnesota lakes became overrun with these fish. Last November, they found some goldfish swimming in Big Woods Lake in Chaska. Team had to remove a truckload of 500,000 of the goldfish due to environmental issues caused by the fish. 500,000. Because they mate like crazy. They're like carps. They're, they're, they're invasive. This problem has also cropped up in Boulder, Colorado, Lake Tahoe, Nevada. Found thousands in local lakes in both areas years ago. The act of dumping unwanted goldfish in a pond is actually illegal in most states, including Minnesota. It is. It's considered illegal fish stocking. Yeah, such these they're not natural to fucking no. these wildlife, so they've upset the balance of existing natural fish communities and spreads disease. Right. They are considered an invasive, invasive species that uproot underwater plants to compete with native fish for food and shelter, right? Obviously. Speedy reproducers, the fish live, and they live up to 25 years. All right. Jeez. Which is even more crazy because anybody had a goldfish at home that lasted more than a year? Right. I don't know. I mean, if you take care of them, I'm sure you can have them for a while. Randy had that big-ass goldfish. It was like this big. Right. And he was up like for two years till we burned him in the fire pit. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we? Yeah. I'm sure we did. Yeah, it was too was big name. to too big to flush. I think it was Goldie or something. Goldie or something. Goldie's gone. Uh, too too big to flush down the toilet. I'm about to go get me a couple of goldfish now and, and see. I'll get back with you guys in 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's not the goldfish that people are thinking of. Aren't real goldfish? They don't look like that. Yeah, they do. I don't think so. Yeah, they just look small. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, look at that one. Yeah, see. Same exact thing. Oh, they are, huh? Holy shit! It's tiny. I guess they do, huh? I mean, look at, they get humongous. Almost the size of carp, but not really. Carp get humongous. Carp can get like three feet. Have you ever seen the uh, videos of the carp flying out of the river when the people are trying to catch uh-uh. them? And they're like slapping them in the face and shit? Fucking hilarious. They'll knock you right out of the boat, dude, oh, if you're standing fucking up. Huge. fucking things are huge, and they're flying ten feet out of the Supposedly water. Supposedly there's a picture of a six to seven foot carp in St. Louis, not Missouri. All right, guys, we just went on a... Uh, we'll just run the down. YouTube video spread of Asian carp slapping people in the fucking face for seven minutes. We just did, we just went down the carp hole. <laughs> yeah, we went down the yeah, there ain't no rabbit hole. Went down the carp hole. Well, speaking of going down holes, look at that perfect fucking uh, hey. perfect, perfect segue. Dubai sets a world record with its deepest pool, which is opening in yeah. Dubai. Obviously, uh, uh, didn't we at do a depth one on this? Ninety-six feet. No, this one's different. We did think, do the one that was. Uh, I think yeah, it was in Dubai. It just wasn't open yet. I don't think so. No, I think the Poland one was the one we did. It beats the Poland one by nearly 50 feet. Mm. Um, below its surface lies an entire underwater world designed to re- resemble a sunken city. Explorers can suit up in diving gear to play underwater pool, foosball, or chess. Or they can just explore the depths of expansive multi-themed so you facilities. Tell, tell me you're going to dive 150 feet down to play chess for two hours. You better have a lot of oxygen. There's 14 million liters of water, which is equivalent to six Olympic-sized pools. That's not really that much. No. Well, it's probably not very big. It's just a hole. It goes down. Right. It's invitation only. It was first visited by the crown prince. You fucking think? You think he went in there? Uh, yeah, I don't know if he went in. And celebrities, including Will Smith, have documented their dive on social media. Silly is expected to open in the public in late July. 86 degrees. Wow, dude. The whole, the whole everything? How do you make it like that? What? 86 degrees is the water? Yeah. 
comfortable diving, they say. That's stupid. Why the fuck would you play chess down there, though? That doesn't make no sense. That's dumb. Not why people spend millions of dollars probably spent on that for fucking nothing. For what? I mean, it's Dubai, I guess. They have a million dollars is like fucking 25 cents of those fucking people. Right. Crazy. Crazy, crazy stuff. Mm. Told you we relied on news today as uh, we're uh, seeing this one. A gutter ball is the name of the story. <laughs> Michigan man finds 160 bowling balls under his house. Hey. Michigan man made a striking <laughs> discovery <laughs> under his house when he went to demolish his back stairs. About 160 bowling balls. David Olson, 33, said he found one ball buried in the sand behind cinder blocks this month. Continued finding more over the following days. I was actually a little happy about it because it's a little easier to roll bowling balls out of the way than move the sand and figure out where to put all that. <laughs> right. Did they use the bowling balls to fill in the fucking they did. thing? Wow. He believes there's more. He contacted the maker of the balls, Brunswick Bowling, which had a plant in the area, and said they were made in the 50s. What? He said former employees contacted him and told him the workers used to take scrap bowling balls to use as alternative to grab or sand. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so this guy clearly needed to fill in his land right there and just All put right. a fucking bunch of bowling balls in there. That's not stable. Brunswick had a plant in Muskegon that closed in 2006. Also said many of the balls aren't in good shape. They don't have finger holes and aren't polished. He's donating some. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Use them as filler. That's cool. That can't be very safe. Why not? You can't build no structures on top of fucking bowling balls. Why if it's underground? Well, how much dirt? He clearly didn't have to dig that much to find him. He's only demolished the stairs. Bowling balls being used as filler. I never heard that one before. No. There's got to be at least one that he can take and drill some, get some hill, drill, uh, holes drilled and polish it up and use it. Right, I would. Why not? Why fuck not try? Fuck yeah. I mean, I would, right? One's got to be in somewhat decent shape. I mean, the bowling balls you use at, use at the bowling alleys are fucking terrible. You got gouges right. and shit out of them and graffiti and shit. I've never seen graffiti on <laughs> a graffiti ball. <laughs> graffiti ball. And finally, our last stupid fucking story before we get to music history and the end of the episode: a class ring. What is up with Florida? First of all, right. Well, the class beach. ring lost in Florida Keys waters found 36 years later. A diver off the coast of Florida Keys discovered a sl- class ring at the bottom of the water that turned out to have been lost by its owner. 36. Why is it? Why? No, is it, did he find it in the box, or was it just a ring? Right. Sean Roch said he was using a metal detector to search for a lost wedding ring in eight feet of water when he found a class of 86 ring from Lasseter High School in Marietta, Georgia. Roch said he only had the rings and owner's initials to go on, and some research determined there were three members of the graduating class with the same name. That's pretty easy, right? Diver said he was able to narrow the field down and identify the likely owner. His name was Mark Murray, and there was virtually no information about him on the Internet. <laughs> of course. And uh, you know, contact on the phone. Murray said he only had the ring for about two weeks when he lost it in 1985. He lost it for what? He said had it for like two weeks and then lost it down in Florida. Thirty-six years ago, I got that ring junior here at high school, and I had it for what two weeks when I lost it. So that so that ruins the whole story of eroding beaches and climate change and all that because that ring stayed in the same spot for thirty years. Thirty-six years, right? Stayed in the same spot, maybe six well, inches underneath. Beaches can still erode. This one was already underwater. He didn't lose that on the beach. He lost it in the water. I guarantee it. That's what I'm saying. Right. So if it's still there, it was already in the water when he lost it. So why would it he? I mean. Then there should have been pounds and pounds of sand on top of it and deeper waters. Eh, just don't make sense. 
Who's to say how how far this guy dug to get it? Well, it's a metal detector, and it's not going to go that deep. How far do metal detectors go down? How far do metal D? It was an eight foot of water, so obviously it worked then. <sighs> Most metal detectors detect objects four to eight feet. No, four to eight inches. Right, four to eight inches. Some specialized ones can go as deep as 65 inches. That's 20 meters. That's 15 feet. How many feet? Three feet, pretty much. Right, and he didn't get that in no three feet. He didn't take no three feet into fucking eight, eight, eight foot of water. Right. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, Imagine, like I said about the dog on our last episode, uh, expecting a call after seven years of something that you thought was gone, and this guy waited 36 years and gets a fucking strange email about, hey, man, I found your class ring. Like, no shit. Like, holy fuck. I don't even care, but that I am, is awesome. I am going to play the lottery tonight. Because mm-hmm. that's like a, you have a better chance of finding your class ring that you lost in the ocean than you do uh, winning the lottery, apparently. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> here's a funny story from Rootstown, Ohio. A trooper performs Heimlich maneuver on a motorist who's choking on, you guessed it, marijuana. He swallowed the bag of weed when he was pulled over for speedy. Yeah, and choked on the bag like a dumbass. Or did he put the whole bag in his mouth? Or did he just open the bag and dump it in his mouth? That's why I want to know. Oh, jeez. Dash camera video posted the Ohio State Police Twitter account shows Hoskin asking if the driver could breathe before helping him out of the car and performing the Heimlich. The man expelled a bag of marijuana. A and bag of a marijuana. A bag of marijuana and apologized <laughs> to the officer. <laughs> he tries rolling an old bag. After the man recovered, Hoskins asked, do you want to die over a minor misdemeanor? <laughs> the man received citations for speed and failing to wear a seatbelt. That's all he got. He received a summons for marijuana and was released at the scene. He, he lucky to, if it was a dickhead cop, he could have charged him for trying to destroy evidence. Right. Of a misdemeanor, which would have turned into a fucking felony. I guess it's all the news. Uh, Today, at least. Right now. As of right now, and fake boobs. As of right now. And now, it's sports with bang and dang. <laughs> Fuck you, Steve Gorman. Sports history, July 12th through the 18th. Uh, not even much going on in music this week. This week was a pretty dull week or for sports. news, sports, music, every fucking right. thing here. July 12, 1979, Disco Demolition Night at hey. Comiskey Park. Fans go wild destroying disco records and cause the White Sox to forfeit the second game of doubleheader to the, you nice. guessed it, Detroit Tigers. Hey, finally we come out on the high end on this one. Have you ever seen the video of that? I have not. Of them destroying the fucking records in, in the middle of the field, dude? Oh, I did see that. Yeah. Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, yes, I did. Fucked it up. Uh, but yeah, finally a one where Detroit uh, comes out on top of this sport. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah, finally a stat with the Tigers coming on top. Destroyed all those fucking records, dude. And but, then I bet you how many how many people regret that now that are still alive from that time that fucking see the soaring, to oh. see the soaring uh, vinyls coming back into right. uh, play and shit like that. I bet you a lot of those disco records that they burned were fucking right. worth some money. Right. Well, here's a stat that the Tigers didn't come on on top of. Yeah. <laughs> Which is usually what happens. July 13th, 1934. Second best player ever to play in the game, Babe Ruth, <laughs> hits the 700th Third career best. home run. Third best. No, top three. Top, Pete no. Rose, Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth. Uh, Ty Cobb, and then the rest. <laughs> uh, uh, Babe Ruth hits the 700th career home run against. You guessed it. And only uh, 14 more he would hit in his career. Tigers won the World Series next year, so that's fine. Right. Right, so they're like, we'll trade you <laughs> Babe Ruth 700 for our, our World Series next year. Like, <laughs> done. <laughs> no, all right. All right. 14th of July, 1967, Houston Astro Eddie Matthews hits his 500 home run off of St. 
St. Francis, <laughs> Saint San, Frank. San Francisco <laughs> Giant Juan Marichal. So Eddie Matthews hits his 500th home run. Yes, and then exactly one year later, on the same day, Hank Aaron hits his 500 home run off of San Francisco Giant Mike what? McCormick. What? Right. Isn't that nice? So both of them off San Francisco, and Hank Aaron would join San Francisco in his later years. So. Nice. Look at that. July 15th, 1912. American oh, no. athlete Jim this is Thorpe. Only a few months after uh, the Titanic sunk. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that's. Uh, <laughs> well, do? and then the Federal Reserve and all that shit. They killed all those people on that boat. Downfall of the world, right here. Right. Starting with the Titanic sinking. Yep. Nineteen twelve was downfall of the world. Uh, July fifteenth, nineteen twelve. American athlete Jim Thorpe. He's placed in the top four. In all 10 events for an Olympic record, 8,413 points to win the Decathlon. <laughs> Decathlon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Decathlon gold medal at the Stockholm Olympics. You guys know where Stockholm's at, right? Argentina. <laughs> Germany. <laughs> it could have been. Hungary. <laughs> It could have been Germany had things turned different in 45. Right. Well, anyhow, as uh, let's dream what happened. Meadows stripped in 1913. He played pro baseball. Pros couldn't. Uh, pros couldn't play in the Olympics back then. Yeah. Well, they're like. What, did he play in baseball before he went to the Olympics? Yeah. So why did they allow him? We already went through this story before. I don't think we've we uh, established when he played, started playing baseball. Did he play baseball after he came from the hey, Olympics? Clearly. I don't know. I don't know. It's this. It says 1919. Did he... Uh, if we went after, what's the difference? You can go after. I don't know. You can never play sports. He would have to be before, right? You never play pro sports at all. Yeah, you would have to play in baseball and like... He played Canton in 1915 is when he first started baseball. So that was three years... Wait. His shit was stripped in... 13. Mm-hmm. So he didn't play baseball until 15. How was it stripped in 13? Or Canton Bulldogs, that was... In football, they played football, too. And... No. January 13, he turned down the start position of St. Louis Browns. Uh, he chose to join the 1912 National League Giants in 13, so... Yep. That's so he played the next year. No, it's because he was in the minor leagues in 1910, so he was still considered a free agent in Major League Baseball in the reserve clause. So he was basically still professional when he was in the fucking, uh, uh, when he went to the Olympics. Ah, I see how they got him there. No, I think it's because he joined a team in 13. Cause no, they he let joined him... the New York Giants in 2012. No, they, they were the 12 champions, and he joined in 13, and they repeated as the 13 champions, 1913 champions. Right, but National he was League still champion. basically a professional player since 1910. Yeah, but he wasn't playing at the time that he was in the Olympics, or else they wouldn't have let him play. Yeah, but he was still... I think because he went back to baseball. Yeah, yeah, he was with the New York Giants from 13 to 15. Yeah, but he was still a professional player when he went and played in 1912. Was minor leagues considered professional back then? Fuck yeah, they were. I don't think so. Damn. Yeah, because he was on the pro. He was on the. Uh, he was on the free agents for the pros, for well, the yeah, major league level. So he was his still... contract had been right. Disbanded in 1910 from the minor leagues, so that means he could sign with pros if he wanted. Right, so he was still a professional. I don't think so, man. Yeah, that's how it went. I don't think so. Yeah, it's crazy. Either or. Look at that dude. He looked rough. Yeah, this dude fucking uh, played football, baseball, played 52 games. And 176 hits. He played. This guy's a nobody. <laughs> 
Nobody in baseball. He retired from pro football at the age of 41. Oh, shit. 52 games for NFL's six teams from 20 to 28. Then he had a basketball career. Hmm. Played professional basketball. Uh, by he was the main feature of the world famous Indians of Larue, a traveling basketball team. Oh, Holy fuck, dude! Look at this guy, Jim Thorpe's world famous Indians barnstorm for at least two years in multiple states. Although stories about Thorpe's senior published, his basketball career is not well documented. For a brief time in 1913, he was considering going to professional hockey for the Tecumseh Hockey Club in Toronto. Oh, oh my no, God. dude. <laughs> Holy fuck. This guy was the... Imagine this dude played in every fucking league. That would have been awesome. Badass. I would have enjoyed it. Jim Thorpe, the ultimate man's man. That's why his right. face looks like that. Right. Man's man. Give him back his oh, gold medal. Oh, they guy. did. They did give it back to him. That's yeah, nice. and they gave it back to him in uh, eight, 1982, I believe. Yeah, something like that. 1982, he gets his medal back. So after he's long, after he's long dead, right? Dead, right. That's so gay. Mm-hmm. 16th of July, our boy, 1968, Barry Sanders is yeah. born. Yeah. College and Pro Football Hall of Fame running back, Heisman Trophy winner in 1988, Oklahoma State, 10-time Pro Bowler, NFL MVP in 97 for the Detroit Lions. I mean. He was born in Wichita. I don't give a fuck. This guy, if not the best running back ever, he's the second best running back ever. Two? Two, either Jim Brown or uh, uh, OJ. Or Walter Payton. Yeah, he's definitely ahead of Walter OJ's Payton. OJ's definitely not ahead of Walter Payton no. or Jim Brown. No. So, no, either Jim Brown, yeah, either Jim Brown or Payton. But uh, Perry Sanders will tell you Jim Brown's the greatest, right? Even these three guys, you put these three guys there, and then you can go. Then you can name anybody else. So nobody's number one, right? Then you can name anybody else after. Perry four. Sanders used to tell say that his dad used to tell Barry all the time. <laughs> He'll never be better than Jim. Yeah, you ain't no, you ain't no Jim Brown. <laughs> you ain't no Jim Brown. You ain't no Jim Brown, buddy. Fucking Jim Brown, bitch. So that's fantastic. We like that. Jim this Brown. is a good sports week for us because it's the seventeenth of July, nineteen sixty-one. The greatest baseball player <laughs> well, I don't, I ever don't think, play the game. I don't think that's good for uh, us. Right? No, I mean, <laughs> what? What? You know? Anyway, uh, July seventeenth, nineteen sixty-one. The greatest baseball player to ever play the game. Damn, Pete Rose stat, sweet. Hall of Fame outfielder. AL MVP in 1911, Triple Crown winner in 1909, 12-time AL batting champion. Uh, holds multiple records in the MLB. And he was also a manager from 1921-1926. Dies of cancer at the age of 74. That's mm. mm. Ty Cobb, if you didn't know. Mm. And he said the N-word 737 times his last hour of life. It's fine. <laughs> Last day of the week on the 18th, 1927, Ty Cobb. Hey. He hits his 4,000th MLB career hit, which I, mean, I believe he's only one of two with 4,000, right? There's nobody else besides him and Pete, right? Him and Pete Rose. That's it. Right. There might be another guy that has something. And MLB. Sure, is him and Peter. Yep. Well. Next after them is Hank Aaron. I didn't know Hank Aaron was that high. Hank Aaron has 3,700. Hank Aaron was great. Dude, how many... There's nobody that's going to even come close. Nobody. The next active player is Albert Pujols at 3,200, and he's, and he's not coming near that. He might get 30, 34 if he's lucky. Literally, the next active player after Albert Pujols is Miguel, is Miguel Cabrera, Cabrera and, and he's not even at 3,000 yet. And people say he will be, though. I'm saying, but he's not even at 3,000 yet. Right. That's how fucking... That's going to jump in. Miguel Cabrera's... He'll go up to... He's 37 play, years old? He's going to play another two years, and he'll get, at least get another 200 hits. He'll be about... Right 15th, yeah. around 15th all around, on He should be around Adrian Beltre. Yeah, he'll be around 15th, possibly 14th. Right. 
But if, uh, if he has a resurgence, I mean, he could right, feasibly he play for another four years if he just stays at DH, years, dude. years every year. Right. He will still only be Paul 3,400, though. He'd be in the top Carl, 10. Right. Which he should have been if he didn't fuck up the past couple of years. Look at Hannes Wagner. Look at Stan the Man. Stan Musial, of course. Look at Tris Speaker. Who the fuck is that <laughs> yeah, guy? Dear, dear, dear. Derek Jeter has 3,465. Yeah. Oh, shit. Carl Yastrzemski, of course, Paul Molitor, Eddie Collins, Willie Mays, Eddie Murray, Nap LaJoy. Nap. Um, George Brett. That's yep. cool. Paul Wayner, Robin Yount. Tony, you don't realize. Robin Yount. 3,000 is literally the threshold. You get 3,000, you're getting into the fucking Hall of Fame. No right. ifs, ands, or buts. Right. You can do nothing else in your career but hit 3,000 hits, and you're getting. The, there's only 32 people in the history of the game that's hit 3,000 hits. Man, look at that. Roberto Clemente had exactly 3,000 hits. Then he died. Poor guy. Well, at least he got that. Reserved LK line. <laughs> All right. Poor Frank Robinson. Why? I mean, uh, oh. 57 hits well, is it's a not, lot. A lot to get. It's not his fault that he retired. Right. He couldn't get it. Well, 57 was a lot. And Barry Bonds was Damn, like. Barry Bonds didn't get three grand? Nope. Sure in hell didn't it. What? Ain't that some shit. No way. Ain't that crazy. There's no way Barry Bonds didn't get 3,000 hits. Uh, you see Babe Ruth picture up there? That's going to do it. Sports history, July 12th through the 18th. Music history, July 12th through the 18th. July 12th, 1954, 19-year-old Elvis Presley. Mm. He signs a recording contract with Sun Records. He also gave in his notice at his day job at the Crown Electric Company. (laughs) Sam Phillips from Sun Records originally wanted to use the 19-year-old to make demos of songs meant for other artists, but soon realized that here was a man that could bridge the gap between white and black performances. Right. And he did. Good for him. 13th of July. Here was a man that could steal black people's music and... Uh, and he did. Get famous off of it. And he did. And he did. July 13th, 1996. Over 2,000 guitar players, including Chet Atkins and Jeff Skunk Baxter, set a new world record for the largest jam session... Miscusi. <laughs> you should have did the burping. Ever! When they played the Heartbreak Hotel for 75 minutes at Nashville's Riverfront Park. The previous record was set in Vancouver, Canada on the 7th of May in 1994, so that's two years prior. And Randy Bachman led 1,322 amateur guitarists in a performance that lasted 68 minutes. So they had 1,322 in Canada with Andy Bachman. And, uh, so that's, that's fucking dumb. Right. And two thousand guitar players. They say the largest, the largest jam session. I could, they could literally recruit. I could go out and recruit five thousand people, and we could just fucking fuck right. around on our guitars and do stupid shit and right. sound like shit. But right. we could fuck around for three hours and right. set the record. It's right. The most, well, the most 75, worthless. Seventy-five minutes was only an hour and fifteen minutes. That's what I'm saying. So we know. could we could annihilate the record if all right. of us are just fucking. Right. Blah, 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 blah. We have to continue to do it for. That's fine. I could, no stop I could, for smoking a cigarette or anything. You could strum with one finger and one one fucking thing. You're right. still playing the guitar. Yeah. It doesn't say you have to perform a, a song or anything. It just says jam session. I mean, what are you going to do, bud? Stupid. That's right. what it is. July 14th, 1988, Michael Jackson Ooh. gave himself a place in the Guinness Book of World Records for setting a new attendance record hey. when he played the first of seven nights at Wembley Stadium in London. The show on his Bad World Tour were attended by a total of 504,000 fans. Beating the record previously held by Genesis. I mean, Phil Collins did do uh, it. With four sold-out nights. I mean, Phil Collins did do it. He did it, but then Michael Jackson did it. Right. 15th of July, 1978. <laughs> the Rolling Stones started a two-week run at number one on the United States album. Shots. 
with Some Girls. The group's seventh United States number one album. The cover designed by Peter Corston featured the Rolling Stones in a garish drag alongside select female celebrities and lingerie ads. The cover immediately ran into trouble when Lucille Ball, Fair Fawcett, Liza Minnelli, representing her mother, Judy Garland, uh, Raquel Relch, and the estate of Marilyn Monroe, who all threatened legal action. Now, that is bullshit. Didn't they have another cover where they had a, for their black and blue album or something, where they had a picture of a chick with, like, black eyes and shit? I think it was something like that. I can't off. remember exactly what it was. These but fucking guys. It was rough. And these fucking guys. July 16, 1981, U.S. singer-songwriter Harry Chapin, Ooh. who had success with this in the 70s with Taxi, W-O-L-D, and a number one hit, Cats in the Cradle, was killed at age 38 after suffering a cardiac arrest while driving on a New York expressway. Well, his car was then hit from behind by a tractor trailer, causing oh, the gas no. tank to explode. Ain't that some shit? These, these musicians tend to die some horrible-ass deaths, dude. Right. How is that impossible? That's the uh, expense for selling your he soul ha- to the devil. He has a heart attack while driving, and then but he probably was dead before all that. It was like a massive heart attack, probably. And you think the tractor trailer, think the tractor hit, trailer hit him, and then he had a heart attack? No, I think yet. Maybe. We don't know. We don't know the story. 17 July, <laughs> 1972, a bomb exploded under the Rolling Stones equipment. Uh, well, let's see. That's what happens when they try to put fucking... Uh, Famous chicks on the cover of their album without asking. Right, right, right. Well, the equipment was underneath Even the van. Even that happened uh, six years after this, right. what you're about to read. So. Before. Right. Right. The album cover happened six years after, after this. After this, right. right. July 17th, 1972, a bomb exploded under the Rolling Stones equipment van in Montreal. Okay. Believed to be the work of a French separatist. Okay. Angry fans rioted. They shook their fists. They threw their bottles, and they threw rocks. After 3,000 tickets for the show turned out to be fake. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, I don't know what they have. What, yeah, what has to do with Rolling Stones? Have to do, what, well, what does that have to do with the uh, bomb exploding? Because <laughs> they probably want to kill the Rolling Stones after that. I'm like, you fucking... How they faked? Uh, I don't get it. Yeah, something ain't going on here. Something more of the story. Yeah, well, July eighteenth, nineteen eighty-two. Willie Nelson was at number one on the country album. Yes! <laughs> with always on my mind, which became the Billboard number one country album of the year. <laughs> the album spent twenty-two weeks at the top of the charts and stayed for a total of two hundred fifty-three weeks on the hey, Billboard country chart. Nice. The track "Always on My Mind" was originally recorded You're by B.J. Thomas in nineteen seventy. Has since been recorded by dozens of performers, right. including Elvis, obviously, <laughs> Brenda Lee, John Wesley Riles, and the Pet Shop Boys. I mean, nobody but Elvis. Right. Of course. You can pretty much take any popular song from the 50s, 60s, 40s, and 60s, 70s, and uh, Elvis has covered it. If, if Elvis did Elvis ever cover any Beatles? I'm sure he did. If he didn't, if he didn't have a brain aneurysm, if he didn't have a brain aneurysm while he was taking a shit. He would have. He'd, he'd be fucking. He'd be eighty something years old nowadays, covering fucking. Uh, this motherfucker, Billy Eilish or something. No, this motherfucker <laughs> would have been in the nineties covering a fucking Metallica or a fucking Slayer song. He'd be like and killing it. Turn the page, right, Bob Seger. <laughs> he'd be like, there's no song. There's no song. I'll roll back in uh, sixty two. <laughs> sixty two, baby. Sixty two, baby. It's about. It's about. You're going on the road. <laughs> <laughs> he turned it into a love song, though. Right. <laughs> Did Elvis ever cover the Beatles? 
probably the most prominent Beatles song covered by Elvis is something. It's something. Something in the way she moves me. Ah, but he only did it at a live concert in, right. Ohio, in Ohio, right. so that's not bad. He knew he couldn't fuck with the Beatles then. Right. He was only doing down and out guys. What do you mean? Not down and out guys, but he was only doing. The Beatles fucking took everything they know from Elvis. Did they? It's on record. John, yep. John, and fucking Paul say so, that fucking Elvis is who, so, who inspired them. So Beatles took everything they know from any other musician then. <laughs> Elvis <laughs> took everything he knows True. from everybody. He didn't even know how to play a guitar. This guy didn't even know how to play a guitar. Yes, he did. He didn't. He did. He didn't. Yes, he did. No. Wait a minute. Let's hear Elvis doing the something song. That's a studio session. <laughs> I'm on the road again. <laughs> <laughs> On a lonely, lonesome highway, <laughs> east of Omaha. <laughs> oh, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> if we know how to play <laughs> instruments and uh, sing, we could totally do that. Right. That'd be great. This is Elvis singing on the road again. <laughs> I mean, turn the page. Right. He's fucking high as fuck, dude. Ooh. I mean, it's just, his voice is still fucking perfect, though. That's great. This dude's sitting down doing this. This is stupid. He's high as fuck. He's like, dude, I'm just gonna fucking sit down and you guys, you guys, mind? Look at him. He's. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. John uh, George Harrison wrote this song. Mm-hmm. That's the end of our music. History, July 12th through the 18th. Now it's time to wind down the show with uh, bullshit talk, whatever the fuck. Uh, fucking did it again. Oh, we got to go on, but uh, I don't think I have any recommendations today. What did I watch? Did I watch anything? I don't know if you did, bud. Hmm. I haven't. Um, Not unless, not, no. Uh, I watched this movie called The Bay. Came out in 2012. Uh, it was based in Maryland. Um, about this uh, bacteria they got in the water. What do you always? What do you want? You just got like a subscription to Sci-Fi or something? No, no, it just looked decent. I watched it. It was on HBO, HBO Max. If you got it, it's called The Bay. But it was like a setup, like a uh, a found footage. And it was actually pretty fucking good. About. Uh, like I told you, bacteria got in the water and started killing off of the the uh, the town that the little tiny town that was there. And like the National Guard came in and 
blacked off any entrance into the city and shit. And let me guess, they were going to nuke the town? No. Nope. They had to figure out what the fuck was killing all these people. It was a pretty, pretty good fucking movie, man. Pretty good movie. They got, like, uh, the cop... The cop, the coppers driving in the car to the calls and shit, like dispatch getting them and they're talking. They're like, "What is going on?" And then, and then you got reporters, and then you got uh, just found footage of these people that were like on a boat. It's the Fourth of July that this happened on. How's the found footage if the they have footage of the cops talking to the fucking the dash cams oh. and all that good stuff? Yeah, man, it's good stuff. Called the Bay, the Bay, 2012. Good stuff. End up being a really good movie. I was surprised. Usually, I would have watched it by now since it's 2012. Never heard of any of these fucking people. I've seen that guy before. But they're all great actors. Almost, if you weren't watching the movie and you walked in, you'd be like, "Holy shit, this is real." It's only got a five out of seven, five point seven out of ten, bud. Rotten Tomatoes does have it at seventy six percentile, though. Right, IMDb is garbage. You so with Rotten Tomatoes, you yeah. don't want to do anything. No, I when I see if if the bay if Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb has uh something rated at like five, I know it's good. Oh, and I've been watching. I started from uh, episode one, season one of the Goldbergs, going through that. Oh, uh, uh, good stuff. I've Funny been, as fuck. I've been debating back and forth on doing it, but it's a fucking Fox sitcom, so it can't be that. Oh, no, it's great. fucking great, but I do love every minute of it, and it has uh, Albert from fucking uh, uh, look who's talking. And Albert. his name's Albert in it, too. Who's Albert? The dad. He's Mikey's dad. The lawyer. Oh. <laughs> who gives a fuck? <laughs> I don't even know who, what he looks like. Well, yeah. That's a good series. I don't think I'm it's not going to be the one of years, but, I mean, they try to make it be like the one of years, but it's the actual true story, so. Based on Adam Goldberg's I'm life. I'm pretty sure the Wonder Years is based on whoever wrote that as well. No. Yeah, we wrote it. The fucking nobody wrote it. Did they just fucking start shooting? Somebody wrote. It. I might have been actually based on. Obviously, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of if I've, I haven't watched anything. I think yesterday I watched uh, Reservoir Dogs. Eh, I've seen that a million times. First time I've seen it all the way through. What? Mm. It's not that great. But... I was gonna say I always turn it off because it's, it's not really that great a movie. It's no. the first Quentin Tarantino movie, right. and it's not that. Great. I mean, it's just fucked up with the when he cuts the dude's ears off. Right. I mean, it's a decent off, movie, but, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, typical fucking Quentin Tarantino movie, but right. not as great as he would make them. No. I don't know. What did I watch? I don't watch anything. I carved a couple signs. Mm-hmm. Last couple of days is about it. Pretty much. No, that's about it. It's about it. I mow my grass. Didn't. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mow my grass. I, I couldn't mow my grass. I was going to do it today, right. but it fucking poured all Rain. day long. So. Other that, work. Work's a jerk, man. About it. Working, jerking, perking. I guess it's going to do it for episode four of a very lackluster <laughs> bang and dang show I mean, this time not around. Not every mean, week's going to be glamorous, guys. Right. I mean, I would hope it. I would hope it would have lasted for more than uh, three episodes, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you'll hear none of this. I don't even know why I'm doing this. Why? Well, I, I, I mean, know. maybe you'll hear. Maybe you hear none of this. And on Thursday, we'll just go off into our own little tangent. And yeah, uh, we got more days to go. Right. It's only so, Tuesday, uh, bitches. Either or, if we don't do something else, then uh, this is episode four. But if not, then you heard whatever it is that we did. And we'll be back next week for episode five. Whatever it is, we'll do then. But in the meantime, go check out Outlaws and Gunslingers over there on the Creative Control Network. Our most recent episode is all about the women hey. of Prohibition. A couple women, about four or five women uh, we profiled. 
including the most famous one, Ger- Gertrude Lithgow. Gertrude. Running uh, running booze from Nassau to the uh, eastern seaboard, not Africa. and um, Right, not Africa. Not Africa. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, next, I think, yeah, you guys will be listening to us on Friday. And a new one will be out Tuesday. That's on the Creative Control Network. And like I said, we'll be back next Friday with uh, another whatever this is. So <laughs> we'll see you next week on the Bang Day Show. So-